I don't get envious of people's band t-shirts. You can have your ACDC t-shirt, you can have your Joy Division t-shirt, you can even keep your Smiths t-shirt. But my producer Sam walked in with the coolest ever t-shirt. It was a Sade t-shirt. I said, look, I'll give you 15 bucks for it, maybe 20. And he didn't budge. This is Hang On To Your Love, Sade, who remains immensely popular, who rarely gives interview, but just class, soulful, smooth, incredible music, isn't it? Julia Hartley Moore. Well, she was never one of my favourites. Oh. I have to say. David. So I wouldn't have her T-shirt. You'll, you'll be shocked to learn that I think she's rubbish and that you've embarrassed yourself again with your musical taste. I bet you were one of those people that when Radio Windy went to the breeze, you were just cheering it right on. Well, I don't know if I'm the one who should be embarrassed um, uh, uh, because here's one for you, David Cormack. Being a Green Party affiliate promoter, you, David Cormack, should be vegan. If you eat meat and dairy, you're contributing to warming hypocritical fake greenie. Also, drive a car, fly in a plane as well, just terrible. All right, you're on the panel, RNZ National. Nice to have you company. Uh, By the way, uh, in about 10 minutes' time, we talk... Uh, about this, the panel question, and what a response we have. A rail conference has been told that the York and Wellington route would be the perfect route for a sleeper train. What's that mean? The luxurious, sumptuous, slow-moving Silver Star from the 70s, maybe the Northerner. Did you go? There was leg room. There was even a buffet. You could sleep on a train overnight in New Zealand. How about that? Text me, 2-1- Zero one, But to this, fruit and veggie stores around the country are preparing to ditch the plastic. A ban on single-use produce bags coming into effect from Saturday. 1st July marks the second step of the government's phase-out of single-use hard-to-recycle plastic. Plastic, fruit and veggie labels to stick around after the ban, though. So why are they staying with us as Regional Market Director Tom McLaughlin from Jenkins Fresh Pack Systems, and they make these rather high-tech labels um, for, for a global outfit. Kia ora, Tom. Yeah, hi, Wallace. I'm going to be really honest, Tom. They're not the most loved part of packaging, are they? Well, um, no, possibly not in New Zealand. Certainly um, offshore, they're they're critical, particularly in Asia. They absolutely look out for labels on produce. But, um, you know, it's a funny old thing, the fruit label. It's... um, and it's and it's often misunderstood. I mean, it's its primary purpose is is to support growers to optimise the value of of their produce. I mean, they've got so many different varieties and options coming through. So the fruit label is a its primary purpose is for accurate product identification. You know, and it's connecting growers with consumers. So it's actually no different to any other packaging um, that you find in the supermarket. I mean, of course, it's not actually contain the product, but the information that's on the label is crucial for um, for the consumer so they understand what, what they're buying. Well, that's good to is know. Is someone I- like picking up an apple and going, hmm, I love pears? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of interesting because on the apple side of it, there's, there's over 30 different commercial varieties of apples in New Zealand. And they're, they're amazing different, um, they produce, they, they, they have amazing different characteristics for our, our flavour profiles. Um, I mean, I just whipped into the supermarket before actually, 
keep myself prepared. And I mean, things on the supermarket today, uh, you know, things like Sweet Tango, Ambrosia, Envy, um, and there's even Lemonade. And, you know, th- these are amazing tasting apples that if they didn't have identification on them, you wouldn't know what they were and you'd be relying on the supermarket to, to you know, the produce guys to put things in the right bins. Um, but ultimately, if, if it's not just about variety, it's the, the, one of the key purposes of a fruit label is accurate pricing at retail. And, I mean, there's no way that I can tell the difference between all the, the, um, the, the various red bicolor apples that are out there and even citrus, summer fruit's the same. And even kiwi fruit, there's now three different varieties of kiwi fruit. Yep, you slice them open, you can tell the difference. But you can't tell the difference on the outside. Uh, okay, stay there, Tom. Uh, and questions are coming through here. So we're talking about these uh, little labels that you yeah. see on fruit with uh, Tom McLaughlin here. Julia Hartley Moore. Well, do you know? I, you know, just make, thinking about these labels. Do you know? I've never even bothered to notice what they say. That I just right. peel. I I go and get what I want. I know what I want. I can tell the difference between a golden kiwi fruit and a green one. Um, I, I get what I want. Pa- take the damn thing off. Stick it on my hand and, and when I'm at home, obviously, while I'm getting rid of the skin. But but the trouble is, where do you put these labels? I mean, this is the thing. They're a pain in the backside. But what do you do with them? Well, you know, for me, I mean, I eat fruit every day, and um, I'd often, often um, think about doing a TikTok uh, video on on how um, on how easy it is because I, I grab my kiwi fruit, I grab my apple, <laughs> I uh, I peel off the label, and within two seconds, that label's in the bin, <laughs> right beside me, and um, and I often think about would I do a TikTok video of maybe going out to the bin and uh, and your produce bin is full and you've got this but which bin, which bin label that won't fit in. <laughs> So, yeah, Where, which bin do you put it in? The plastic bin? Uh, they just yeah go in the landfill at, at, the, at the moment. But the, the exciting oh, yeah. thing, what we, the, but the exciting thing, what we're de- developing, this is what this regulation is all about, is we're moving to home compostable labels, and that's, that's super cool. I mean, our, our, we've been working on it for ten years, and um, working with uh, companies around the world, and obviously particularly locally, big companies like uh, you know Zespri and um, and locally Yummy and companies like that. Um, but yeah, so we've got right now today. So we've got a home compostable material. That's the that's the, the actual label itself. All right. Um, and well, it's just we're very close to nailing the adhesive. So at the moment, the regulations that are coming out in next week um, ask for uh, well, it's really a hybrid label. It's a home compostable product. You're allowed to use conventional adhesive for for a little while longer. Um, Interesting. Tom, we'll bring in uh, um, Dave, because a lot of people are saying, why can't they make a paper? But apparently it's very high tech because labels have to last six to eight months on fruit in a cool store. That's, that's the issue here. All right, David. So I just want to applaud you for finding labels exciting, Tom. I admire anyone who has passion for these sorts of things. But I, you know what? If you wanted to be truly useful, you would label plums because it is one of my disappointments that occurs every year when I bite into a plum and it's a goddamn yellow plum and not a purple one, and I have no way of knowing beforehand. And so that's where you should be focusing your energies, uh, and you would make me a, a very happy camper. But I'm I'm with Julia in that. I had no idea of the information that was on the sticker. All I know is that my four-year-old likes getting stickers, and so that's that's really uh-huh. where ours end up. 
Good well, on you, Tom. Well, let's just say the good news is we are starting. To, well, for some, for some people, the good news is we are identifying plums differently. But um, no, it's, look, it's really exciting stuff. And look, we, as a company, we know that um, we, we want to move to a sustainable, uh, home compostable label as quickly as we can. And that's what we're going to do. Uh, and that's what we're focused on. Nice one, Tom. Thanks for your time. That's. Um Tom McLaughlin from Jenkins Fresh Pack Systems. And no, they can't be paper because it's very high tech, but they're developing the glue to make the glue compostable. And that's the the issue here. Um, okay, so thank you, panel family. You've come to deliver. You've, you all recognise the brilliance of Sade. You completely, completely disagree with David Cormack. It's quite extraordinary. You've got a strong issue, this. Um, Sade is still amazing. She's got a very special place in her heart. Seen her live twice and a few years ago in Sydney. It's, um, yeah. It's so turgid. Yeah. It's in the same box oh, as uh, Dire Straits, you, you know? Like, it's just, be, it's yeah, bland. Just this is just ridiculous. We're talking Never about does. Sade. And she, you, she makes you want to go to sleep or be sick or something. It's not good. <laughs> I just can't handle it. Please don't play we're, it again. We're talking I, about Sade. I, I know. Get in, Julia. Let's be fair. You do not have good taste in music. Yes. Well, only David Benson. What was his name? George. David? No, George is rubbish. Don't George, buy into that George, hype either. Everything Wallace likes, barring, I think, Abba. Do you like Abba? You only like David Benson. Well, well, well. George. You are both, George. You're just both brutal. Uh, your music you taste know, is the is, is vanilla sorry. In, in personality I'm just, form. I, you've, I'm just speechless. You've just actually quite. You've both shocked me. Um, but we're going to continue on. I love Sade. My producer here has a Sade T-shirt. It's uh, quarter to five. Did you now, check if it was being worn ironically? <laughs> I'll check after the show. Absolutely not, says Sam. Now, just some sad news for the retail world and Southlanders in particular. H&J Smith was established in 1900 as a drapery store in Invercargill but grew over the years to encompass clothing, jewellery, footwear, grooming, you name it. They later expanded to other regions, Queenstown, Gore. This week they've announced they're closing. This comes after already closing both their Te Arno and Balclutha stores a couple of years ago, Dunedin in 2021. With us is Southland Business Chamber Board President Neil Makara. Welcome, Neil. Uh, welcome. Good afternoon. I was just thinking, w- when you think of towns like Invercargill or even Dunedin, Christchurch with Ballantines, uh, what, did, what did Dunedin have? Um, it's on the tip of my tongue. The, this, it's a major loss for a city of that size. Yeah, it certainly is. When you talk about 220 employees mm. and what 12,000 meter, a 12,000 square feet building, a meter building, so um, that's a big blow for the city. Um, clearly, in, in the recent times, we've had a massive rejuvenation with the, the inner city block that's been rebuilt through a, a partnership through the city council and HWR, which has done a wonderful, wonderful job for retail in the city. But this comes on the back of that announcement, and, and it's very sad time. Yeah, uh, Julia. These, are, I mean, these, these department stores. I mean, we have Smith and Covey, don't we? Yeah, and I've been into those ones down there. Um, mm. But it, you know, it's a sign of the times. It is because you see, back in the day when we had farmers, that's long gone. We've still got, like you say, Wallace Smith and Coe's. But it was before those stores were before you had specialised shops. You know, you could buy everything in one place: your bed, your, you know, your your pans, your your makeup, everything was in one store. Now you have specialty stores 
and you designer stores and um, and people, I think since the pandemic, I think that's really made a lot of people look at the online shopping okay. and the ease of online shopping. Neil? Yeah, certainly there's a, a lot more options in retail, as you say, online, uh, a lot more smaller specialist um, stores. And, and it is challenging times with, with the potential recession news out there in the, in the retail sector full stop. So um, I think it, it will continue to be a challenge. Um, certainly from a Southland perspective, we've got a number of industries that are going well and, and that uh, continues to give light for Southland. But I think retail is a hard sector to operate in. David? Well, I mean, old mate from Retail and Z will probably blame a bus or something for this, but I, I think, you know, it's really sad when large stores like this mm. go under, particularly iconic ones. You know, we had James Smith's yeah. in Wellington for a long time, and that, that's gone, and then whatever that fancy pants ones that replaced Kirk's, that only lasted a couple of years before David that. Jones. Yeah, yeah, and that didn't last. And so I just guess, as to Julia's point, you know, those big sort of catch-all everything stores are just out of fashion at the moment. Because the, the fact of the matter, Neil, is uh, they go beyond be, be ta- being a bricks and mortar. Some of these stores, they occupy quite a central heart and uh, in a community, don't they? You know, you have your memories of H&Js. I have memories of H&Js. You've got your memories of your Ballantines or your Smith & Coe's or uh, other... They're more than just a shop. They do special things. Christmas is when they really excel. Things like that. Oh, definitely. When you talk about that, I even got, remember my Santa photo as a young kid going and yeah. stores like that and bring back some special moments in, in history. Um, and so it was a sad day, definitely. All right, Neil, thank you for time. Neil McCarrow there, Southland Business Chamber Board uh, President. Yeah, uh, lots. Wallace, your guests are so wrong. You have great taste in music. <laughs> Thanks, Wallace's mum. Well, that's one person, Wallace. That's one person. Read uh, yeah, but it's a very important one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you for thank you for your support, Sade lovers. Um, Love yeah. her. Love her. Uh, t- yeah. Ten to five. The panel RNZ National. Well, a rail conference has been told that the Auckland Wellington route is the perfect route for a sleeper train. Hang on, haven't we had that? And I asked for your stories of travelling the luxurious, sumptuous, slow-moving moving Silver Star in the 1970s, or the Northerner, going from Auckland, waking up in Wellington. Have you done it? What was the buffet service like? Was there a lot of legroom? Yes, there was. Extraordinary to think about it now, Julia, that this happened. Oh, I'm laughing at you. Well, sorry. Um, you're trying. It, yes, yes, it's wonderful. It sounds fabulous. Um, have you been on it, Wallace? Have you I, been on a night? I have been on not the overnighter, but I went on the twelve hour from the seven a.m. to seven p.m. from walking to Wellington once. And you know what, Julia? I absolutely loved it. Twelve hours. You don't sound like you're a fan. Well, I've I've done. Um, I can't say I have been on a train here in New Zealand and gone that far, but I've done Am- Amtrak in the states. I went from Chicago to um, San Antonio, um, and I, but then, but then Wallace and this David will hate this. I went from Paris to Turkey on the Orient Express. Why? Wow. Why would I hate that? Because rich people, you, know, you clearly don't like rich people, and I think to get on that, you've got to have a bit of coin. No, trains are, are, are the transportation of the, of the everyman. I'm very pro-train. 
not these kinds of trains. They're not the transportation of every man. Yeah, well, now, you, now you're just showing off. Ooh, look at me. I buy fancy <laughs> train tickets. Well, if I had the money, I'd go on the Orange Express, Julia. Anyway, we, we, we have had such a response. Here's one. I travel on the Silver Star several times. It was a luxury to my teenager world. The, the time I most recall was travelling back from the David Bowie concert, 78. Just about everyone on board had been to this concert, and there were parties going on in every single and double suite on the overnighter. I hated seeing them parked up in Taipananui abandoned for all those years when I passed through. With us is Adam from Kitty Kitty. Adam, welcome. Hello, Willis. Hello, Julia and David. Kia ora. Great to have Hi. you on, Adam. What's your memory of the overnighter? <laughs> okay. Okay. I wouldn't uh, divulge this unless I was on your show, Willis. But look. My story of, of um, the trip was when I was heading down to uni. That was the, the simple reason, was I was poor and back from going from Auckland to Wellington for that leg, and then on to Otago after that. But um, sitting, in a t- sitting in the economy section on that thin, kind of hard vinyl seating, yes, I think it was vinyl, uh, you couldn't resist the, um, <laughs> the look. <laughs> The look for a few carriages up ahead. Um, you had the, the plush-looking deep seats. With, um, <laughs> oh, I, no! I mean, I, yes, and I thought, I have to get up there. And so I did it one time. It was highly nerve-wracking. And, um, and I just decided to get up there. There was no ticket collector around. And uh, just made my way right up to the near the front, um, sat in the seat, and then just proceeded to fall asleep or look at least look asleep so we had to collect to come by at some point and uh it's a really look like you're deep deeply asleep what a story <laughs> hopping on it's a, a good trick yeah isn't it? hopping on with an economy ticket walking walking all the way up the premiums <laughs> uh um do you think they should come back do you think there'd be a market for adam what do you think oh you mean um the sleeper train for yeah sure. the overnighter yeah. Yeah, I think they should have a dedicated student section. Mm. Um, it would be a um, yeah, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, okay, definitely not in yeah, not in the way that that um, I used to do it. And there were just the, the too many perils. Yeah, the ticket collector plus the <laughs> chance of the real the real person <laughs> with the, the right ticket turning up. Yeah. So you would be there with one, you know, both eyes closed for the collector, and then you would have to sort of. On the stops, they were very perilous that that someone might turn up for that actual seat. Oh, what yeah. a story, Adam. Thanks for sharing to the country. No problem. It's Adam Kirikiri, and with us now on his memories uh, of uh, the Overnighter or the Northerner or the Silver Star, we have Brett. Kia ora, Brett. Hello, Wallace. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? What's your story? Oh, my story is a little bit different, uh, Wallace. Um, my father commissioned uh, the Silver Star when it was brand new, and was still in the and, and ran the maintenance depot that oh. uh, kept the Silver Star and the Northerner carriages um, mobile, running, operational, and and the such. So, come from a very much a railway background with wow. uh, with Dad keeping the train going. So that was uh, that was quite an experience as a younger person. That's so cool. What a, a, and and it was a, did your Dad enjoy working on them? 
Oh, it, it was Dad's passion. Yeah. Dad started with the railways during World War Two, and uh, he he retired um, when he was in his 88th uh, year of life. So uh, Dad did a long time uh, with the railways and got a QSM as a uh, token wow. of uh, of his commitment. But the Silver Star was uh, was his epitaph, I suppose you could say. There was a lots of special training that went into the staff. Right. That, uh, looked looked after the train. Um, it was state of the art when it came into uh, when it came to run, and it was just so much more comfortable, so much more quieter, so much more warmer than the old uh, Northerner. Uh, yeah. It was it was a lovely, lovely train. Clearly, the right we got the right person on because your depth of knowledge on the Silver Star is next to none. Uh, David Cormack, do you think there'd be a case to reinstate? Uh, a sleeper train, you know, going between those two cities, maybe even having a buffet like the store started, maybe even having a, a nice bunk that you could sort of cap. What, what do you think? I Look, I'm for it, and every few years the train nerds get really excited, and, and I think it got brought back because of people were like, yeah, we'll totally take the train from Wellington to Auckland, and then nobody took the train from Wellington to Auckland. So... I don't know. I, 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 I wrote the romantic in me would love to see it back, um, but I just don't know if it's sustainable. Yeah, what do you think, Gabriel? Um, yes, the air travel just made it so much uh, easier to get yeah. from Auckland to Wellington or Wellington to, to Auckland. Um, as uh, I, I joined the railways in 1975, following Dad in, in, in some ways, um, and, and there was a whole pile of tradition there. But that tradition was being broken down with the improvements in uh, air travel and the cheapness of air travel. You know, one hour Auckland to Wellington, Wellington to Auckland, um, up against 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of a hard call. Maybe a little bit better in today's market where we're a bit more conscious of what we're spending and, 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 and how we're travelling. Um, it's it's a neat way to travel, but it you is. do need to have a bit of time. Good on you, Jeff. Thanks for the memories. Tell uh, you what, retailing Zed would hate Brett. it. Well, uh, come on, get off that, David Cormack. And speaking of speaking of David Cormack and Julia Hartley Moore, here's one for you. Uh, not my words. Jeff says, Wallace, your music taste is just too sophisticated for your guests. Look, Jeff. Oh, please. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> really? I, I'm not saying Are you that. writing these yourself? You're writing these yourself. I'm not writing these myself, David or Julia. It's just what they're saying to me. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's us. Have a great uh, Thursday evening, both of you. That's Julia Hartley Moore, David Cormack. I'm Wallace Chapman, and I'll see you tomorrow for Power Ballad Friday, Friday afternoon. I'm there, 3.45. Stay with RNZ for Checkpoint with... Lisa Owen. Hi.